Welcome into another episode of the Raging Cajun Army. I am the host, Matt Miguez, and today is a very special day in terms of college football. It is Report to Camp Day. Woohoo! It is the first official day of the college football season. Um, we have a lot to talk about starting the preview process of the season. And to break that all down with me is a name that you probably know, you may love, you may hate. Yeah. Jerry Duty Abair. <laughs> what's Jerry, up, man? What's up? <laughs> oh, it's that time of year. You know, I see we have uh, we got a, a preseason football game going on. I put on Facebook earlier tonight, you know, preseason or not, it's still football. Thank God it's football season. It's that time of year, man. The excitement, the anticipation, and... Uh, you know, it's always a, it's always kind of like a holiday today, especially with the college, you know, in the college realm, teams reporting, and now you're going to start seeing more practices and whatnot. So I'm excited. It's a very exciting time of year. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it, it's it's an exciting time for for UL football as well. You know, being the being the second year of the Napier era, and after the first year kind of went above expectation. Mm-hmm. You know, preliminary thoughts. What are, what are you seeing for? so far for for the upcoming season well i think the first year is always that sort of rebuilding season you know and and you know you don't really know what to expect going into the year obviously there were a lot of uh, question marks a lot of holes to fill as far as positions go um and you have a brand new coaching staff that comes in and changes the culture as we like to say right the the ul right um but to me, I thought the football team exceeded expectations last season. Uh, in year one, they were in the inaugural Sunbelt Conference Championship game, which was, I know I said this last year when we did the podcast together going into that game, how much of an accomplishment that was for a first-year coaching staff, especially with the circumstances of what the team went through the year before. You know, I do, I'd do. i heard that uh, whenever Coach Napier and his staff came in last year, one of the biggest issues that they had to face was trying to unite a divided locker room and they did that absolutely and i think most of the players now understand after a full year about following that process so even today coach napier said it you know um the players kind of know what to expect there's really not as many question marks and they're they're a lot more intense because they know what's expected of them so one thing that i'm excited about this year is i feel that this team can sort of hit the ground running a lot quicker than last year because they sort of know what the expectations are under this coaching staff and what their potential, where their potentials lie. Um, but uh, after year one last year, seven and seven record, obviously not a winning season, but not a losing season. Made it to the conference championship, made a bowl game. Um, and so now year two, I do think expectations are a little bit higher. I do think that with the recruiting class that, that this coaching staff just had this past spring was, was enormous moving forward so now we we can see these guys put on some shoulder pads and see what they can do very excited yeah you know jerry just mentioned the recruiting class that we just we just put together in, in case you don't know ul produced the number one recruiting class in the sunbelt conference and i may be mistaken on this but according to espn it was the number 64 recruiting class in the entire country which is only like one or two spots below central florida Right, Think right. About that. Um, you know, and so, higher than a few P five schools. So huge accomplishment by by Billy Napier and his staff. And obviously, since this is the first kind of preview episode, we're going to focus on the offense. But one of the biggest messages from Napier and his staff today at at media day for the first day of camp was the defense has to be better. 
sure. than it was last year. And not, and not saying that the defense was bad last year, but they're just, the defense just needs to get to that next level. Well, I thought last year the defense, if anything, was the most improved group yeah. as the season went on. I mean, from game one to about game seven or eight, you really saw the defense progress. I mean, you really saw a strong progression as the season went on as far as making plays, uh, forcing turnovers. Um, and really, to me, when you have a guy like Ron Roberts, who was a head coach in the Southland Conference for 10 years or so, had, with that type of experience, to me, when you have that type of leadership coaching a squad, whether it's defense or offense or any position, that, that goes a long way. Um, and really, I thought the defense last year, in my opinion, was one of the most depleted units going into the season because I thought that they had to get a little bit more talented or find a little bit more talent. But honestly, as the season went on, once the guys or the players started figuring out their assignments, what they needed to do, I, I thought they were the most well-rounded, improved unit on the entire team. Yeah, um, no. And the beauty of that is now they can take that from last year, from where the season ended, and take it now and carry that into this year to where now, like I said about the whole team, they can they can hit the ground running. Right. You know, right. so I think that's one of the that's one thing I'm very curious about is where the defense stands now as opposed to last year because I don't think they're going to have any type of issues in game one as opposed to last year where they had to progress. Right. I think and, they're going to be able to have a better jump start. And, and, and like you said, the defense was the most improved group last year, and you're absolutely right. But let's also think about it. At the end of, of the Hudspeth era, our defense was practically at rock bottom. Well, it's depleted. It's like I said, it was depleted. I mean, look, giving up, I mean, the last couple games in 2017, you gave up, what, almost 40-something, 30-something, 40-something points to a 1-9 Georgia Southern team. Then you yep. give up 63 to App State. And, I mean, that <laughs> how much lower can you go from there? Right, right. So. Yeah, no, and, and yeah. yeah, they were, like we said, they were definitely a, a depleted group, so they could only go up. Um, but we, I think we agree that they made a they made a huge leap last year. But again, the message was they're still not where they need to be. Right. Um, and I think only time will tell. You know, if they've if they've gotten there. Obviously, the talent's there with guys like Chauncey Manack, uh, Joe Dillon coming back from That's injury. Huge. Yeah, Joe Dillon. Jacques Boudreaux, manning that that linebacking sure. core. Sure. You know, he's been a huge leader. Deuce. Uh, Deuce in the secondary. Michael Jaquette having a full year of playing defense under his belt. And he did a great job last he year. Did. Making he that did. Adjustment. Um, there, he's got the talent. There, there's no doubt about that. And so I think, the, I think the talent's there, but I think Ron Robert, in my opinion, Ron Robert's biggest challenge is going to be getting the cohesiveness. Getting it to all mesh together. And, you know, I think another thing, too, is one thing about Coach Roberts is that he's gotten – he really went back to the basics last season. And I'm not talking about whether it's the formations or the scheme. It's more about making open field tackles, learning how to be in position to make a play. You know, that's one thing that, that this defense lacked going into last season was, you know, they couldn't – you know, a lot of times they – a lot of missed tackles. Weren't, players weren't in position to make plays. But then you look at last year, and like I said, this goes into the progression. You look at the game against UL Monroe. Look at the, they forced two or three turnovers inside the 30-yard line when Monroe was in scoring position in a game that determined whether or not you were in the you put yourself in the conference right. championship. So that's what good teams learn how to do. Yep. And honestly, like for the defense to be able to step up in games like that and make those plays, 
that tells me that they came a long way. Now, I'm agreeing with you. I do think there's room for improvement. There's always room for improvement. But in this conference, and we talked about it before starting the podcast, you know, what I think is, especially with, with, with this defense, and especially in the league that we play in, the defense doesn't have to shut out teams in the Sun Belt. No, no. What they can do is make key plays. Because, look, our offense is going to score points. Uh, there's no question about it. And we'll talk more about that. But really in the Sun Belt, if you can make key plays at key parts of the game, yeah. I mean, not to say that that's all you have to do, but it doesn't. you don't have to shut teams out in the Sun like Belt. Like they always say, games. big players make big plays. Right. And when they have to. So, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. You're not going to shut everybody out in the Sun Belt. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. It's a high-scoring conference. It, it's an offensive conference. You have to it's, expect you're that. Not, you're not going to shut everybody out. Right. You can't be surprised when a team puts 30 points on you. Because sure. it's going to happen. Sure. Um, you just have to be able, as an offensive unit and as a defensive unit, to A, make the plays when you have to, and B, if the offense puts 30 on you, you need to put 35 on them. Correct. So, that, I mean, that, that's what it comes down to. And, you know, now we're going to transition to the offense. And like, like you said, you know, if a def- if an offense is going to score 30 on you, you have to be able to score 35 on them. Sure. I think our offense is definitely going to be able to put 35 on quite a few teams this year. You know, they, they don't, you know, looking, looking at the schedule, looking at what we have coming back, I'd be shocked if, and, and not that, and I don't want to set high expectations, obviously, but. I'd be shocked if this team can't hang 30 on quite a few of our opponents in the conference. Yeah. Um, you know, look, Troy, App State, going on the road to Georgia Southern, going on the road to Arkansas State, they're going to be some tough matchups. But teams like Coastal, New Mexico State, uh, I mean, I'm, I don't even know New Mexico. New Mexico State's not even, I don't, I don't even know if they're in the conference anymore. But going on the road to New Mexico State, playing Coastal, playing South Alabama, ULM, I would think and I would hope that this team would be good enough to put up over 30 on these teams. No, absolutely. Jerry, <laughs> I mean, not to, not to send my expectations high, but... Jerry, I hate to tell you, we don't play New Mexico State this year. Okay, I thought we could, I could have sworn we, we owed them a return game. I guess not. I think mm-hmm. you road we will. Our road games are Ohio, Georgia Southern, Arkansas State, Coastal, and South Alabama. Okay, I think the following year we go back to New Mexico Maybe State. Maybe so, I yeah. Think. yeah I, I think you might be right. But I will say, I mean, okay, Texas State, another one. You know, right. You should be able to put some points on these teams. So, uh, look, I, yeah, I'm... I, I expect this team yeah, to score some absolutely. points Absolutely, And, you know, we'll, we'll start with the quarterback. Obviously, I, I don't want to say that it's no question. Sure. Because as though how it's looked all spring, that it's Levi Lewis's job, there have been some question marks added in the last, you know, 10 to 14 days. So, and, and obviously, you know, Napier's sticking with the mantra that Levi Lewis is driving the bus. Well, he's got the seniority. And, and, and I think come August 31st, it is going to be Levi Lewis under center. But there are a lot of key pieces that could play out over the next couple of weeks that could maybe change things. Well, look, competition is good. You want that. You don't want to have a depth chart with one player that you say, oh, well, he's the only one that could start. Look, if you have five guys who can start a quarterback, I welcome that with open arms because you know what? It makes whoever becomes a starter, it makes him better. Right. You yep. want that competition. You want you want guys fighting for their positions. You don't want complacency. And so for me, I look at I look at the depth chart. I mean, Levi Lewis, uh, uh, McGaley, uh, Clifton McDowell, Kalbacher, Chandler Fields, Braden Hawkins. This is probably, in my opinion, one of the deepest. Oh, absolutely! This team has had. It's, it's been the deepest in a long time. I mean, 
I, I, I I'm impressed. I would be. I'm very I'm, impressed. I'm honest with you. If any of those guys stepped under center, August thirty first, I wouldn't question any of them. Well, it would go to show you that they earned the spot, right? Because you have it. You're going to have some tough competition, and you know, in the next month, right? Yeah, no, um, absolutely. And, and the thing about Levi is, look, he's got the seniority, and right now, rightfully so, he should be the number one on the depth chart. But I would think he's going to have to also earn that number one on the depth chart. It's not going to just be handed to him because, well, you you got more play time. No, he's going to have to go to, and during practice and his scrimmages, he's going to have to prove himself and. You know, I've heard a few times he's improved over the offseason. Yep. He's been putting a lot of work in. And, you know, if he's the one under center come August 31st in the Superdome, I'm all for it. Right. I, look, my thing is, you know, there's a lot of people out there saying, man, this guy should start, that guy should start. Look, I don't care. Whoever whoever the quarterback is that can put us in the best position to win games, win the game. I don't care who. Win it, could the game. Be, it could be a true freshman. Yep. It could be a senior. I don't care. Just give me a guy who can give us the best position to win, and I'm happy. And you see, Napier, Napier's been talking a lot about Levi Lewis getting a lot smarter in the system sure. this offseason. But like like we said, he's got a lot of competition with Javé Magali, mm-hmm. um, Juco transfer, Braden Hawkins. Obviously, UL's awaiting on his eligibility trial from the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that outside of those two guys – there's much competition going on. I mean, obviously Chandler Fields is a respectable kid. Clifton McDowell's a respectable kid. But at the same time, they're both true freshmen. Absolutely. They have exactly. time. So I don't think they're adding much to the competition right now. And then honestly, Bo Kalbacher, I don't think he's adding a whole lot to the competition either, in my opinion. Because, again, he's kind of untested, un, you know, not really known a whole, a whole lot. But Magali, Hawkins, and Levi Lewis... They've all played at big programs. Mm-hmm. They've all, you know, been through the gauntlet. Levi Lewis, not as much because he's been at UL for his entire college tenure. Sure, but um, Braden Hawkins, you know, he started at at Maryland, mm-hmm. and then he ended up playing JUCO ball for a year and a half, and now he's here. Um, Magali, Magali's gone to like three different schools. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, there's. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of competition, and like like you said, I think that just makes it more interesting going into the season. Well, you want like I said, you want competition. You don't want to give anybody a position because oh, you've been here the longest. No, you got to earn it. I mean, there's <laughs> in this league, you can't you can't just depend on seniority to give you the right to just oh well because I've been here the longest. Look, you got to fight for it. And I, I'm one. I, look, I'm all for I'm all for you know, looking at looking at the scrimmages and seeing where these guys where these guys are. And like I said, Levi's gonna be he's gonna be the number one right now. And that's fine. And and again, as long as whoever's under center can put us in the best position to win, again, I'll be happy. Um, but I love the fact that there is competition at that position and I love the fact that there's gonna be a lot of players that are gonna be striving or a lot of quarterbacks are gonna be striving to get that number one spot because again, it makes everybody better. It makes yep. every competition is always good, so I'm very excited about that. Now let's let's shift a little bit to the the three headed monster, and I say three headed because you know there's there's three known guys in in the group, but when you really and truly look at it, there's five to six solid guys in that running back room. Yep. Um. Obviously, we're talking about Trey Regis, Elijah Mitchell. Raymond Kale, this group was named by Phil Phil Steele, 
who is a college football guru to most people, he was. They were named the number eight running back group nationally. Mm-hmm. Nationally, yeah. So this is a huge group, and I, and you know I say it all the time. You take any of these guys and put them on the majority of Power Five programs, they're all starting. Well, I mean, you look at last year, whenever Trey Regis, I mean, and look, I know people say, well, Alabama, it was a blowout, blah, 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 and all this. Look, Trey Regis had over 100 yards on the ground against Alabama, I believe. Well, yeah. Is that true? Yeah, yeah I, I think I, he I'm, did. I mean, how many Sunbelt schools or any, how many G5 schools, for that matter, have running backs that put up over 100 yards against Alabama? How many G5 schools scored 14 points against Alabama? That's a good point, too. <laughs> I mean, granted, yeah. the majority of it was in trash time, but even then, even, even the fourth string to Alabama is start anywhere else. Right. That, <laughs> They're all five-star recruits anyway. So yeah. everybody's everybody's <laughs> like, oh, well, you, you scored them in the fourth quarter with two minutes left. Who gives a crap? It's 14 points against Alabama. Yeah. Like, for, for a G5 look, school, that's something to brag about. Well, I think and the point I'm trying to make is when you have running backs that are that talented, that could pull off things like that, accomplishments like that, I mean, just imagine what they can do playing in conference games. Yeah. Playing against other G5 opponents, you know. And so the depth, once again, the depth of, like you called it, three, the three-headed monster, the beauty of – what I like about these three running backs is they're not all the same either. Raymond Kale is more of a speedster. He's more of a scat back. You've got Trey Regis. He's a bulldozer. And then you've got Elijah Mitchell that's sort of a hybrid. He, he can do both. If I, if I can so, compare them to NFL backs, Kale is your Alvin Kamara. Yep. I would put Elijah Mitchell as a Todd Gurley type. Okay, that's you. you yeah. You've got that. You've got that ground and pound in the line. Yep. But as soon as you get into that secondary, you have breakaway speed. Sure. And then I would put Trey Regis on the comparison of you know a uh, uh, Alfred Morris. I could see that. Or yeah. you know a, a younger Adrian Peterson. Mm-hmm. You know those guys that really just Mark just pounded Mark Ingram. Yeah. Guys, guys that you never get like breakaway runs out of. But he'll, but he'll get he'll get his seven or eight right. Yards. He gets seven eight yards consistently. Wear you out consistently. And I think that's the beauty of this running back core is they can do a little bit of everything. Right. Um, and and I mean, look, if I'm a <laughs> we talked about in the Sun Belt team score pretty easily. If I'm a defense that's lacking, and I have to prepare for that, I'm wetting my pants. You know, I'm I'm nervous. Right. I'm nervous. Yeah. No, you absolutely. Know? I mean, I, I mean, I, because every every. Good, I mean. It, it, <laughs> I mean, come on, man. You look at that film and you see all three of these running backs do their thing. Raymond Colley breaks in the open field. Nobody can catch him. Once he has that breakaway speed, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a two, I think, what, one or two-time state champion track star, yeah. you know, in high school. You, can't, you ain't going to catch him if he gets to that second level. Then no, you've got no Trey Regis. No. He run, he'll, run, he'll run two or three of your guys over at one time and get the first down. Yep. He'll fight for that. Then you've got Elijah Mitchell who can do, do both. Do both, yep. So... Again, if I'm a defensive coordinator and my defense is struggling, yeah, if, I'm not feeling too good looking at that film if all three are healthy. Hell, your your defense could be top-notch in the Sun Belt. If you're watching film on those three guys, you're nervous. Sure. Um, and, and you know, that that's the beauty of, of having guys that that can work well under a system like Napier's trying to run here here at Louisiana. And I'll say this, if you if you don't if you haven't gone to many UL football games recently, especially last year, and you're interested in the LSU Alabama kind of ground and pound game, and you don't want to travel to Baton Rouge or Tuscaloosa, right? Lafayette might be where you need to be on Saturdays. Well, if you want to look at a team that knows how to score points, 
this team is the perfect epitome of that because this I'm telling you right now this offense will score some points oh yeah they will score some points and add and I know we're about to talk about the receivers but add in the passing game with that if you have a quarterback who has an arm and you've got receivers who can catch and get open and make plays add that with the mixture of this three-headed monster and you have a lethal lethal product on the field offensively oh yeah absolutely and like you said we're, we're going to talk about the wide receivers right now and getting into that group obviously you know there's the big names jamarcus bradley bam jackson's coming back yep um and and i talked to him about it at media day his numbers to most people don't look impressive mm-hmm. 325 yards four touchdowns but considering what he's been through at ul to bounce back in that way and be a leader on the field like he was. He's those, a fighter, man. Those numbers were huge for us last year. He's a year. fighter. And, you know, what makes it great is, you know, he's one of those guys that sort of stays under the radar. Yeah. You really can't prepare for him. And he'll just come out. He'll put up seven or eight receptions, and you're just like, who is this guy? Where did he come from? Right? Yep. No, absolutely. And that's, you know, you want that. You want that guy who kind of sits, stays under the radar. And one thing about the receiving core I find this year is they are a little bit younger. You do have some freshmen. You got you know guys like Cassius Allen. You've got uh, you know Brandon Brandon Lejeune from uh, from Ed White, who I mean he's almost like another Julian Edelman. You've got Peter LeBlanc from from Catholic High, another freshman. Um, I mean uh, Jalen. Um, you've got Jalen Williams. You've got Jamal Bell. You know Caleb Carter from Cecilia, yep. another yep. wide receiver. Montreal Carter's Brian, younger brother. Brian Smith Jr. Brian Smith Jr. I mean you've got some young guys that Khalif Gassett. Yep. Like you've you've got a receiving core that can be deadly. Yep, Khalif Cassett from Pensacola. Yeah, I mean you've got guys that, you know, you really don't know much about them yet. You know, obviously you de- like look Jamarcus Bradley. We know what he can do. We know what Bam Jackson could do. But I'm curious to see what a Khalif Cassett could do. I'm yep. curious to see what a Cassius Allen can do. I'm curious to see what Brandon Lejeune can do. You know, uh, when I think about Brandon Lejeune, I think of someone who's going to be lined up in the slot, do a lot of those oh, yeah. sweeps. He's fast. Yep. He's quick. You know, guys like him. Napier, that, Napier mentioned today that Lejeune might be our punt returner this year. Look, if he can run fast, use him. Yep. Use him. I mean, and that's the thing, too. Like, the, I'm, I'm curious to see the young, the young guys step up and see what they can do. Because I do think some of these guys could step in now and make a difference and make an impact with this offense. Um, the, the, like I said, the dangerous thing about this offense is if you have to prepare for three running backs – and you have to prepare for a receivers, bunch of wide receivers, yeah. some of which you don't even really know good, what to expect from. Them. Good luck. I mean, that's the best thing that that could be ha- that could happen yeah. right now. As an, if I'm an offensive coach at, at, for for Louisiana right now, I'm licking my chops. Yeah, that, that's a I'm great problem to have. Absolutely, not knowing who to give the ball to. That's a great problem to have. Well, in the NFL, look at the Saints. Yeah, I mean, no, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. You've got so many weapons, you don't know how to prepare for it, and so when you have that type, those type of options, I think it's, uh, I mean, it's definitely, it's never, it's never a bad thing. It's never a bad thing at all. All right, we're gonna take a quick about twenty second break, and when we come back, we're gonna break down the tight ends, offensive line, talk about who we think is gonna be a breakout freshman this year or or new 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 face. And we'll, we'll start to break down the schedule a little bit. We'll be right back here on the Rage Cajun Army. And we're back. I wanted to thank Nick Selfo State Farm for sponsoring the Rage Cajun Army. 
like I, like I said in the commercial, you can go see Nick at 200 Hyman Boulevard here in Lafayette for all your insurance needs. You know, home, auto, life, health. He can do it all. Uh, he's a great guy, and he's he's really looking forward to helping out his customers. So 337-981-6638. Chatting here with Jerry Bear, And now, you know, Jerry, we're going to get into, like I said, we're going to get into the tight ends and the offensive line a little bit. You know, Louisiana hasn't really had much of a tight end game since, really, since Ladarius Green. I would probably say that. Also, guys, uh, back in like 2012, 2013, you had a few guys out there like Ian Thompson and uh, Jacob Maxwell. But yeah. since then, no. We, we've, really. But we haven't really utilized the tight end position since Ladarius Green. That was one of the biggest criticisms recently was when are you going to throw the tight end? Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, my friends complain about it. <laughs> and you see, I really, I, I don't know what Napier has up his sleeve, but if it was me, I think this year's the year. They've got weapons. You've got they Johnny got, Lumpkin. Yep. You've got a healthy Chase Rogers, mm-hmm. who, by the way, if you don't know, Chase Rogers played high school football with LSU quarterback Miles Brennan. Mm. Um, they were actually really good friends in high school. Chase Rogers learned a lot from Miles, and I know that Chase Rogers can be a huge weapon for for our offense. And then, you know, you also kind of go, he hasn't really shown much on the field due to injuries and, you know, whatever else. Alex Allen, mm-hmm. you know he's he's a talented kid. He's got a chance to do some good. Hunter Bergeron, sure, he can he can do some damage. But the one guy in the tight end group that I'm most interested to see is fifth year transfer out of Arizona State, Nick Ralston. Yeah, I mean, look, that was the big talk of of, uh, of the tight ends was him coming in and transferring from a school like I mean, a school like that is P five, you know, having that type of experience and. Really, I'm curious to see what he can do. Um, and really with the tight ends, the main thing is in this type of offense, you also want tight ends who can block, right? If you're going to run the ball, you got to have them that can block. Yeah, absolutely. But you want that – I love the old school tight end, the one that can get off the block and run that little that little two- or three-yard route out, out into the flat, you know, and then they get there 15 yards up the field. Yeah, absolutely. Give me a tight end like that all day, and, and I think we'll be fine. Um, but having guys like Chase Rogers come back, having guys – Oh, excuse me. Having guys like, um, you know, you talk about Nick Ralston, but but also having having guys like Johnny Lumpkin, you know, they have enough experience now. They've played under the Napier system to where, again, like any other, anybody else, this should be a good year where they can hit the ground running. Yeah. And um, I think uh, I think they'll they'll be fun to watch as well. I hope we I hope we throw to them. That's been the big complaint. We don't throw to the tight end, right? We've been right. hearing that from Cajun fans for years. So hopefully that. That changes this year because that just adds more weaponries to what we already have, which is pretty pretty loaded. Right, yeah, loaded. absolutely. And and you know we'll transition into the offensive line now, kind of a smooth transition off the off the tight end group. And you know we're only one of six D one football programs in the country to return every member oh, of so, the offensive line. So beautiful. Such granted, a beautiful thing. <laughs> we, we were we were dealt a blow in the spring with. With Cole Prudham sure. going down with an injury. From the sounds of it, it looks like he's on the fast track to recovery. Usually the ACL is about a nine-month recovery. Yeah, They're kind of looking at five to six with him right now. Um, which, you know, could be could be a masterful thing considering we're already about three and a half months in. Correct. Um, so we, we could see Cole Prudham as early as, you know, week three, week four. 
I mean, you just want him. To, I want him to heal, man. Yeah, uh, no, as, absolutely. You know, and uh, and that's. And I hope somebody could come in and step up in his position, but really, you just want him to heal. And that and that's the big thing Napier mentioned as well. You know, he still has a medical red shirt in his absolutely. pocket. So if play that, that day by day, and man. and Nap- and Napier mentioned in the press conference, he's not afraid to use it. No, he's not afraid to use it at all. But if it comes down to it in week three, week four, where Cole's healthy mm-hmm. and he's the better option, they're going to use him. Absolutely. Um, so I think I think it's one of those things, like you said, just play it by ear, see how he's progressing. Um, obviously, trust your training staff. Sure. New training staff this year, and Billy Napier. I don't remember the trainer's name, mm-hmm. but um, Billy Napier was was first class talking about. He mentioned you know, it today. The, the new training staff and yeah, what a, what a great job that they've done, and um, so yeah, obviously you know Cole Prudham being on the being on the fast track to recovery is a is a huge thing for for us. Pat Richards. Yeah. There we go. That, that yeah, you're right. Um yeah, Pat Richards and his staff has done have done an excellent job, you know, keeping the guys healthy and, and whatnot. The nutrition staff obviously. Oh, that's you know, huge. it's it's not every day huge that a that a G five a G five yeah. has a nutrition staff on yeah. on campus. So, you know, that's huge. Um I actually had breakfast this morning in the uh in the student athlete cafeteria, and man, that First class. that that food is bar none. Sure, fantastic. Um, and so you know that that's kind of the offensive breakdown. Obviously, there's not many question marks outside of you know Cole Prudham being healthy. Who's gonna be where? There's a couple battles, but for the most part, it's kind of set. Who's gonna play where? I think the big question mark right now to me is the quarterback. Yeah, uh, you know, is Levi gonna be ready? Heck, is he going to be the starter? Uh, you know what? Who who's going to be up for the position? Competing? Who's going to be the top guys competing with Levi? Um, and how much has Levi really improved? Because I, like I said, I've heard he's improved a lot, but you know we don't know until that whistle blows come August thirty first. So um, it's interesting, but that's the beauty of the you know look. Obviously, the next month it's the anticipation. It's it's going to kind of suck a little bit because you you want to kick off, but Look, the team needs a month to kind of prepare like everybody else. We need to see who's going to play where. We need to see who's who's conditioned well enough to be, and, and have these guys ready because, I mean, look, you're starting. I mean, you're going up against a bulldozer in Mississippi State. You're not playing some FCS. You're not playing some small school. You're, I mean, you're playing an SEC team. Yeah, you're, going quality, up, you're going up against the big dogs. A quality SEC team in game one. So you have to, I mean, you have to do everything you can and not cut corners to be ready come August 31st. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, you know, we'll, we'll end the offensive conversation with the newcomers in, in the group. Um, who do you see as, you know, whether it's a freshman or a transfer or whatever it may be, who do you see having the most immediate impact on the offensive side of the football? I'd probably have to say Lejeune. Lejeune, okay. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think I'd agree with that. I'd say Lejeune. Um, I, I think because we're going to – I think we're going to use him – Right away, absolutely, and I, I think you have to. Yeah, a, a kid with that kind of talent, with that kind of explosive speed, and I've I've seen a little bit of film on him. I don't know, you know, all the ins and outs of his game. He's fast. But from what I, <laughs> I know, that from, he's from what quick. I from what I've seen, he's quick and his hands are solid. Julian Edelman, man. So uh, Julian, yeah, Edelman. That's, no, absolutely. That's, that's, that's comparison. I, I see him. I see a lot of Julian Edelman in him. He and, ran out of. I watched some film on him, or I watched some highlights when he was at Ed White, and he'd line up in the shotgun and just keep the ball and just take off up the field, up the sideline, and nobody could catch him. 
And it just, you know, I look at that and I'm like, you know, if you could put a guy like that in the slot who has nice hands and can get open, that's dangerous. That's very dangerous. So I think that's something, that's a, that's an asset that this team could use right off the start. Now, our, again, all these guys are freshmen, so, you know, another thing, too, is we don't know who's going to be redshirted. We don't know, you know, if they get moved. Right. right? So, uh, but but I do think Brandon Lejeune would be somebody that I think can make a huge impact right away. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Jerry, before we go here, it's kind of going to be, we're kind of going to do the, the part of the previews that sure. everybody loves. Breaking down the schedule. Schedule, yes, um, absolutely. Obviously, you know, we're going to do an episode next week breaking down the defense. So I don't want to go through the whole schedule tonight. Mm. But, you know, we'll, we'll start with the first couple games. Obviously, August 31st, we play Mississippi State at the Superdome. Mm-hmm. Um, 11 o'clock kickoff on the U. ESPNU, correct. Yeah, on the U. Um, obviously, you know, it's a Sunbelt school against a SEC powerhouse. Sure. So the expectations are aren't set very high for us. But what are you kind of seeing, you know, early preliminary looks at both squads? You do Well, I do know Mississippi State, they had like 20-something seniors last year. They have a new quarterback. I think there's a few guys on the D-line that got drafted in the NFL last year. So they're going to have some newcomers in some key spots. And so I think this is one of those types of games. And look, real quickly, just a few years ago, after Mississippi State lost Dak Prescott to the draft, or I mean, did he? I don't think no. He, he well, he got he left basically. And um, Nick Fitzgerald's first game as a starter, they lost to South Alabama. So, not to say that this is going to deja vu, but look, this I mean, you're it's it's very similar. They lost their Nick Fitzgerald's not there anymore. They lost their quarterback. They lost, like I said, some some key starters. Right. Um, they have some new guys coming in. They're still, I mean, and they're in year two under Coach Moorhead's system. So, you know, new quarterback, new, um, you know, trying to adjust to a new system. And, and, and I think it's one of those games where you have to play close. You have to keep it close at least by halftime. You, you know, kind of like when the Cajuns went up, when we went up to College Station a few years ago, had the lead over Texas A&M, you know, at halftime. Now, granted, we didn't win the game, but we put ourselves in position to possibly win the game. And so I think this is a similar situation where you want to keep the game close at, up until halftime and give yourself a chance. And really, when it comes to as a G5 playing in SEC school, you got to force turnovers. You have to, you have to kind of punch them in the mouth early on and scare them a little bit because then you, you, you shock them, you rattle them, and they don't, a lot of times they don't know how to respond. This right. is one of those games where I think, do we have the talent to score points on them? Heck yeah. I really think we can score on this team. But, number one, can we stop them? And number two, can we keep the game close and force turnovers? Yep. And, and, and we and we can't make mistakes either. If we get in the red zone on them, we can't throw interceptions and fumble the football. We can't miss field goals. We have to. If we get in the red zone and we move the ball, we got to score. you got to score against teams like this. So, it's one of those games to me where go in it, play, play injury-free, try not to get hurt, keep the game close, and then – let the chips fall where they may come third, fourth quarter. Right. And, you know, I've, I've said this to everybody that I've talked to about it. It's going to come down to the first 10 minutes. I, th- In my opinion, those first 10 minutes are going to be crucial because if you come out sluggish, especially on defense, if you come out sluggish and slow and you're kind of breaking more than you're bending, you're going to give up 14, maybe even 21 points mm-hmm. to a team like Mississippi State. And if you're in that big of a hole that early – against a team like Mississippi State, you're not getting out of it. Right. So I think our our game plan, 
I mean, obviously, this is going to sound redundant, but come out with a lot of energy, execute your offense, get some points on the board. I'm not necessarily saying we need to stop on defense. Would I complain? Hell no. Right. But it, the likelihood of it happening is not It's It's not. So I, I think you worry about your offense. The defense kind of plays what, what they can play. Keep the game within a touchdown, maybe two. And then, you know, try and find a way throughout the game to find a loophole and exploit, you know, their game plan. Sure. So, like, yeah, like I said, the, those first ten minutes, the energy that we come out with, the momentum that we have, that's going to be crucial down the stretch of the ball game. Um, I don't want to get into predictions, I think we're going to do that as we get sure. a little closer to the game. Sure. Um, so we'll go ahead and scoot into the next game, which is our home opener at Cajun Field. And we are playing good old Hugh Freeze <laughs> yeah. and Liberty University. Sure. Now, you know, I don't know much about Liberty's football program. Um, but they beat Baylor a few years ago. I know that. Really? Yeah. They okay. can score points. I mean, they're not a bad team. But, you know, obviously having Hugh Freeze – who has SEC experience, who has the SEC recruiting ability, you know, stuff like that. Is is Liberty a team that more often than not, UL should not be taking lightly? Absolutely. That team can score points. Um, I think they're one of those teams that they'll they'll give they'll give they'll give you a, a run for your money. Um, especially with Hugh Freeze with the history he's had. You know, he's, he's had success everywhere he's gone. I mean, he coached at Arkansas State that one year where they beat us for the conference championship. So, you know, you don't want to take a guy like Hugh Freeze lightly because he has he's been he's been to the he's been at the upper echelon of, of college programs. So I, I do think that's one of those games where we can get a good we get a really get a good feel of where we are. You know, I don't think Mississippi State's one of those games just because, like you said, the matchup is just it's a, it's a G5 against an SEC school. Now, again, that doesn't mean we can't win the game, but I think playing a team like Liberty more on our level can give us a good gauge on where we are. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so obviously that, that game is a lot more even than Correct. Mississippi State. And it's, it's a home opener too. And then, and then the next week we, go and we play Texas Southern at home. And, you know, I really wasn't worried about Texas Southern whatsoever mm-hmm. until I heard the news of the transfer from Texas Tech, Jonathan Giles, who yeah. used to play at LSU. Right. Um. He he's scary. You know, the thing about teams, you know, a lot of teams like like Texas Southern or anybody else like in the SWAC or or the Southland Conference, you never want to take them lightly. At the same time, you know, they're even as a G five, you do have a lot of advantages over them as far as you know, um, players and, and, and uh, you know, just talent, more overall talent. You saw it with Grambling last year. You know, Grambling, I mean, they've been coming off some great seasons over the past couple of years. And last year, I mean, I thought that I thought we handled them pretty well. Uh, what, it's, this is one of those games where you just want to stay injury-free. You don't want to get hurt. You want to play a lot of your guys on the depth chart, give them some play time. And you hope that you can pretty much end the game by at least halftime. Yeah, that's one yeah. of those games where you just stay healthy and try to end it as soon as you can. Right, and you know the last game that we'll break down is is really it's that first road game because um, obviously the game against Mississippi State is not really considered a road game. We're the home team, <laughs> um, so it's it's really our first real road test of the game. I mean of the season, and it, it's going to be a test mm-hmm. going up to projected MAC champion Ohio. Um, 
obviously, you know, being in a being in a bigger conference, they have a lot of power. They have a lot of recruiting ability. Um, they and and they've they've had a, a fairly solid program mm-hmm. over the last you know 10 15 years they're dangerous yeah uh, i'll say that straight up they're dangerous last year they were in a bowl game against san diego state they shut them out spanked them um you know they've actually they've been one of those teams every other year they, they they'll win their eight or nine games and they'll compete for a championship in the mac and they'll they'll go to a bowl game and they'll compete in a bowl game you know so they're kind of where they're kind of where we want to be consistently um as far as now, do they scare me? Yeah, I said they're dangerous, but that doesn't mean we can't win that game. I, I really do think that's going to be a that, now that game is going to be a better test as far as where we are. I can definitely see I can definitely see us see us sort of gauging ourselves against Ohio as opposed to Liberty. I think Liberty is going to be a great test, but Ohio is going to be the that, game. That's going to be the real. That's going to be the real yeah. test where I can say, okay, where are we? And, right. Um, and on the road on top of that, so they're they're good. They're, I mean, look, you're, I mean, they're picked to win the MAC. That's not, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> so, so in, in your prediction, at the end of those first four games, what's our record look like? At worst, I say two and two. At two and two, if okay. we can come out two and two going into conference, at worst, I think we're in good shape. I would say three and one. I'd like to be three and I, one. I, I think the only game we give up in those first four is Mississippi State. Ohio, it's a toss up for me. I'm going to say either three and one, two and two. Yeah. Uh, I think Liberty, both Liberty and Texas Southern should be winning. I mean, with with the way our schedule um, looks post Ohio, would I complain with two and two? No. Well, and you, of course the circumstances. You know, if you lose to Ohio in overtime or it's a close game where you know you lose by a touchdown, at worst, right? I still feel pretty good. I'd love to win that game. I think we're good enough to win that game. Absolutely. But you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that. You know, I don't. I don't want to go in with this 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 crazy optimism to where like, you know, yeah. I feel disappointed after. You see, I, I tend and I hate this, and it, but it's because I love UL so much. I tend to get really optimistic, right? About the, you know the all, all the programs sure. really. Uh, you know, somebody was asking me the other day what I predicted the record to be for for football, and I said realistically eight and four. Mm-hmm. I said, but when I really look at the schedule. Both as knowing these programs and as a fan, mm-hmm. I can also really see nine and three. That's possible. You got to have some breaks that 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 go with it, but it's possible, right? Um, so you know, there's there's a lot of excitement around football this year. Obviously, from you know second year of Napier's era, the recruiting class, the renovations slowly starting to Cajun Field. Yeah. You know, the and the, the talks the projects about it. Just are, the fact that they're talking the, about the it. Projects are, the projects are, you know, starting to come to fruition. Sure. But obviously everybody's really excited about the new concession stand prices. I mean, it's made national headlines. And, I mean, look, even people at LSU are talking about, well, why can't we do that? You know, and, and the thing is, look, if it helps attendance and you can still generate revenue doing it, by all means, absolutely. And so, I mean... Another thing is, too, is if we're trying to find ways to get fans in, in Cajun Field on Saturdays, what better way than to offer, like, $1 hot dogs and $1 this, $1 that? I mean, to me, that's genius. Because here's the thing. People are going to buy. People are going to buy in bulks. And so I thought that was, I thought that was a great move. Um, and I know they're going to try to do it across, I, I want to say, most sports. I know basketball is the one sport because of the Cajun Dome contract. Right. But, right. And I'm sure they're trying to work something out there. But to be able to do that across the board is, is huge. And so, again, 
you look at what these other these big schools are looking at this going huh why can't we do that right and it's cool to have that sort of to sort of lead lead yeah. the charge in that you yeah know? Ab- absolutely um you know football season's 30 days away yeah um wish it was wish it was sooner right i wish it was tomorrow <laughs> but look it's it's it look we're we're in the month of august now so now you start talking about it i know the local high schools you know they're yep. they're starting they're, they're starting to fire soon up. and um, you know, I know uh, with what I do um, with uh, covering the, some of the – I don't really cover the high school games as much as I used to, but we're going to be doing breakfasts, talking about the Kiwanis Jamboree coming up. I mean, that's when you know it's, it's here. Right, you it's know, here. I know they just Absolutely. had seven on sevens uh, a few weeks ago, and now now all the predictions. I mean, preseason football has started in the NFL. Teams are in training camp. Um, it's, it's that time of year where summer's winding down. You know, you took your beach trips. You did – you know, you, you did your summer vacations and everything. Now, you know, of course, school's starting up for, for a lot of students. Next week. But with school starting up, so is football. Right, right. So that, and you see something to look forward my, to. My, my entire childhood, that was always the, the positive to school starting. At least, at least it was football season. You know, it's crazy. as You know, not being in school anymore, it's funny because now my reaction is, okay, the kids are going back to school, but, man, like, I'm ready to see some football practice. I'm ready right. to see some scrimmages. I'm ready to see, you know, reports, practice reports on how the – Who's doing what? How this guy? How's this player doing? What's this coach saying about this team? And you know the anticipation. I tell you when it's going to get worse. The last two weeks. Oh yeah, absolutely. The last two weeks. That's absolutely. when it's going to get worse. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's great that we're talking about this now. And you know, a lot of great things. You know, my dad always says on our show on Sundays, a lot of great things are happening at UL right now. Um, you know, you've got great leadership in the athletic department. You've got a president who's fully on board. You've got, uh, you know, obviously with everything that we've been through over the past six or seven months, um, you know, with, with, with so many people close to the university passing away or having so many tragic incidents happen. I mean, we really, I, it's, we need to start this year fresh with a yep. fresh mind and, and, and look, look, look to the future and, and carry on those legacies of those who have left us forward. Right. Yeah, you know, move absolutely. forward and, 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 you know, just, I mean, it's been such a, it's been a tough six months as a Cajuns fan, man. Not yep. because of what's on the field in any of the sports, but because so many people that are so passionate about our programs have left us. Right. And so. Um, I'm going I'm to I'm try to keep this short, but uh, it's going to be weird football season not seeing Lynn Williams. Yeah, I know. I mean, I worked for him for a year, you know, and, and he was, I mean, he knew he knew that equipment room backwards and front and forwards. I mean, he was one of the best in the country, not just the area, but the country. He's received awards for his work, and um, it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough not seeing him around. Um, but uh, I know the equipment. I know Kerry and the equipment staff are going to do a great job carrying on Big Lynn's legacy. And you know, you just got to, you just got to, like I said with Coach Rowe, man, you just got to keep grinding. Yep. You, you you continue their legacies, but you keep grinding. And so. Um, it's. I'm. I'm looking forward to that. I know Coach Napier mentioned it today in his press conference about how this is a small community that, it's a it's a mid major school with, a community that you know it's very it's 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 very close. Everybody's very close around here. You know. So, um, I mean, it's it's very personal to us. Yep. You know. So, it, I'm glad I'm glad to start off fresh, but. It's nice to carry on those legacies of the people that have left behind, that 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 has left us. Yeah, forward. absolutely. Um, first game of the year is thirty days away, August thirty first, eleven a.m. kickoff against Mississippi State in the Mercedes Benz Superdome on ESPNU. 
You can obviously listen live on ESPN 1420 with Jay Walker and Chris Lano. But, you know, we would really prefer that you were in the Superdome. Be there! So, to, to get your tickets... And then go listen on your radio pup with your earphones. Absolutely. On your phone. Hell, screw, win, screw win, baby. For, forget the radio pup app. Just download the free ESPN 1420 app. That too. Yeah, either. well, I, got, I have both. So. Right, right. <laughs> I have um, both. You know, you can head to RageCagers.com to get your, your tickets online. Um, you can also buy them on Ticketmaster. And then, you know, if, if you want to get even more personal with it, contact Cajun Box Office, 337-265-2104. And also, we have Fan Day in a few weeks as well. August... 18th. Is it the 18th? Okay, yeah, yeah that is that is a Cajun Sunday. Dome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, is it the 18th? Let me double check. Head, head out to the Cajun Dome on the 18th for Fan Day. Meet the players, meet the coaches, um, get some autographs. You know, that's always a... That's always a fun event to go to. Uh, Jerry, man, I appreciate you coming on. No, my pleasure, and, man. Uh, and I'm looking forward to doing more of this with you uh, as the season goes on. It's another year, man. It's another year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's going to be a good one. Um, if you're a football fan and you're looking for some good football to watch, like I said, Cajun Field is going to be the place to be on Saturday. Well, again, we have high expectations going into the season. I know, you know, Coach Napier's second year coming off a season where you went to a bowl game, you went to a, you played in the conference championship game. I mean, that, that to me is, I mean, that's, look, that's as good as it gets, uh, especially with a first-year head coach, a first-year coaching staff. So, yeah, it's exciting, man. I'm very excited and um, a lot of expectations coming into this year, but, you know, it's better now than never. Right, yeah, absolutely. And Cajun Nation, like I, like I said last week, thank you for your support. Uh, like the Twitter page, like us on Facebook, like us on Instagram. You can find the podcast at soundcloud.com slash Army. The links are also in all my social media bios. You can email me, RagingCajunArmy at gmail.com. Look, you have questions, a topic you want me to make sure that I cover, you know, anything like that, Make email it to me. Um, I, I would love to to talk about your ideas and, and things you, you, want, you want to hear. Um, so like I said, RagingCajunArmy at gmail.com. Next week we'll sit down and talk about the defense and brush up on the special teams, break down a little bit more of the schedule, and, you know, just inch one step closer to, to August 31st. So until then, Matt Miguez, Jerry Bear, signing off. Go Cajuns.